Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. <music> Korea presents a fascinating chapter in the history of Christianity. For instance, the first continuous Christian community in the peninsula was founded by Koreans themselves without any missionaries coming into the country. In their new book, A History of Korean Christianity, Dr. Kirsten Kim and Dr. Sebastian Kim provide the first English language study that covers the history of Christianity, including Catholicism, Protestantism, Korea presents a fascinating chapter in the history of Christianity. For instance, the first continuous Christian community in the peninsula was founded by Koreans themselves without any missionaries coming into the country. In their new book, A History of Korean Christianity, Dr. Kirsten Kim and Dr. Sebastian Kim provide the first English language study that covers the history of Christianity, including Catholicism, Protestantism, and Orthodoxy from its beginnings in the peninsula to the present day. This thoroughly researched work skillfully weaves together such subjects as church-state relations, spirituality, and the global impact of Korean Christianity into a narrative that is easy for someone unfamiliar with the subject to follow, but deep enough that experts in the field will gain much from a careful reading. I hope you'll enjoy the interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to New Books in Christian Studies. I'm Dr. Franklin Roush of Lander University, the host of the channel. Today, we'll be talking to Dr. Kirsten Kim, and Dr. Sebastian Kim about their new book, A History of Christianity, which was published by Cambridge University Press. Uh, Kirsten and Sebastian, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Well, I wonder if you could uh, begin the interview by just telling us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, Yes. Uh, Well, I'm Kirsten, and I was born in the UK. Um, I graduated in maths, actually, from the University of Bristol. Um, And... um, then got more interested in, in church and mission work and ended up um, going to study in, um, theology, uh, intercultural studies and so on at a place called All Nations Christian College, which is where I met Sebastian. Well, I'm Sebastian. Um, I was born in Korea, South Korea, and I did my electronic engineering, my first degree, and then I was involved in mission ministry. And then I went to All Nations Christian College, where I met Kirsten. And after this study there, we got married, and uh, we went to Korea, um, did uh, some ministries, and I did my Master of Divinity at Presbyterian College and Theological Seminary in Seoul, and uh, I was got ordained. And then we both went to Fuller Theological Seminary, uh, where Kirsten did, did her MA, and I did my uh, MTH. Uh, after that, we went to India at uh, Union Biblical Seminary in Pune uh, for four and a half years. We were sent by the Christian Church in uh, South Korea, and we were there as a visiting lecturer and uh, we really enjoyed teaching there and interacting with the Indian colleagues there. And after that, we uh, went to, we came to the UK uh, to do further study. Uh, Kirsten did 
her PhD at Birmingham University, and I did my PhD at Cambridge University. And after that, uh, we both worked in various capacities in various institutions and in the UK. And then I joined York St. John University about 10 years ago uh, to hold the uh, chair in theology and public life. And so I've been here since then. And then I was... Uh, teaching in the Selly Oak Colleges in Birmingham, um, but eventually I um, became professor at a neighbouring institution, Leeds Trinity University, where I'm professor of theology and world Christianity. Um, so that's where we are now. We live in York. <laughs> wow, so you've had a really... Um, sorry, I had a little feedback there. Uh, York have an amazing uh, kind of background studying this. Yeah, well, it gave us a view of the world. We've written about world Christianity in general, um, but um, and, but both our PhDs were on Indian topics, in fact. Um, but, and then we we started to work uh, at a later stage on 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 Korean topics, uh, partly because people were always asking us <laughs> about Korea, um, and uh, we started to do research on Korea as well. Um, yeah. And is that how you came to write this book? Uh, well, yes, I, I think because we, I mean, we were writing papers on, on Korea, um, and, but um, there wasn't, well, we couldn't find uh, recent histories of, of Korean Christianity. Um, and uh, the, um, and when, it, when we looked at the older ones, they, didn't, they were either about Protestantism or about Catholicism, um, or they were sometimes only about you know, one denomination. <laughs> Um, and we were having real difficulty putting it all together. And we noticed when we were examining PhD students, for, for instance, that each PhD student felt the need to give a, a potted history of Korean Christianity before they, at the beginning of their um, dissertation. But um, uh, you know, often it was very partial, uh, it seemed. So um, we thought there really was a need for for a decent um, one-volume history and. Um, and that's one when we approach Cambridge University Press about it. Right. And yeah, that, and that's one thing I really appreciate about this was that by, you understand Christianity rather, rather broadly in your book. Indeed. <laughs> um, yes, we tried to um, include uh, uh, Protestantism, Catholicism, which are often, you know, if you talk about one, you don't talk about the other and um, they, it seems as though they don't have anything to do with each other if you, um, uh, and, um, and then um, we also uh, included orthodox and then all sorts of more recent varieties uh, of western uh, Christian, of western style Christianity um, and uh, Pentecostalism um, and so on yes um, as broad as we could um, and we also then Try to think about the church not only as an institution, um, but also as a movement, as different forms of spirituality. Um, and we noticed in Korea that sometimes there's quite a difference between um, the uh, the way men practice their faith and the way women practice their faith. So we try to integrate those dimensions as well. Yes, when you look at the history of Korean Christianity, um, is often as Kirsten mentions it is the either uh, Catholics uh, writes about Catholic history or Protestants write about Protestant history as if that's the 
uh, only uh, Christian history. Um, so we thought of uh, try to uh, integrate these two because we believe that, that there are lots of interactions uh, between these two. And also in addition to that, there are various different denominations. So that's our emphasis that we would like to see Christianity as a, a kind of same story with a different emphasis. Right, and that really came through very powerfully in your book, and that's one thing I, I really um, enjoyed about that was I thought, I, I mean, it was very difficult to do that because you're the first ones really doing it, and you did it very well. And I also like that you also talked about non-Christian religions in Korea and how we need to understand them to understand Korean Christianity. Yeah. Um, well, yes, because we were conscious that Koreans, we, we were trying to look at the Christian story also from from the Korean point of view. Um, there's a lot of material, especially in English, the material tends to be predominantly about the, the Western missionaries who, who went to Korea, worked in Korea. Um, but we consciously wanted to write the, about the reception in Korea um, and by Koreans of, um, of, of Christianity. Um, and of course, they were doing so through the lens of the traditions and the faith that they um, had grown up with and already, already had. Um, so um, we were conscious that um, that had also impacted uh, the kind of Christianity that emerged. And in, in calling the book uh, A History of Korean Christianity, we were indicating that Christianity is uh, uh, to a large extent indigenized in, in Korea. Um, but some, some people seem to have uh, come at it with more of a, a Confucian perspective. Others have come at it with more of an uh, experience of popular um, Korean traditional religion, shamanistic elements and so on. So you find uh, a mix of spiritualities um, within Christianity that, um, and beliefs within Christianity that, re- that reflect the different religious um, backgrounds of Korea. And also, is like any other religious traditions, Christianity were interacting with society and politics and economics. So that's quite interesting and important to understand how the Christianity has been shaped by the politics and the uh, situations uh, beside the religious matters. Um, in particular, in Korea, uh, religious traditions uh, often associate with the state and uh, existing government. For example, you have Korea dynasty is very close to the uh, Buddhism, and then the Li dynasty is also very close to the Confucian traditions. And then uh, the First Republic of Korea were very close to the uh, Christianity. So you have a quite close interaction with the state and politics with the Christianity and the other religions. Right, and so Christianity is being shaped by these different traditions, but also you have an argument in this first chapter that Christianity is also important for understanding recent Korean history. Yes, yes. Um, you were going to talk about that, I think. Yes, I think the, um, it is important to understand the uh, history through the, um, because, because Christianity has shaped uh, a great deal in the modernization and also socio-political movements. Um, in, in Catholicism, when the intellectuals studied Catholicism, they studied Catholicism not necessarily initially 
uh, as a religious tradition, but as part of the Western learning and new ideas. So that was how uh, they saw the uh, Catholic Catholicism offer to the Korean context. And again, Protestant, when they initially made uh, Protestant uh, Protestantism and introduced into Korea, they saw that as a part of modernizing force and catalyst for the modernization of uh, Korea. So they embraced the Christianity as part of their kind of broader agenda for nation building and also later on part of independent movement. So in order to understand uh, Korean history, we have to understand history of Christianity and what's happening in the Christian churches. And of course, in order to understand uh, Christian churches, we need to understand Korean history. Yeah. Mm. And so in the end, we, we structured the book around um, important dates in, in Korean history, not ecclesial dates. Well, anyway, the, the dates that are important for the churches differ according to which church you're talking about. But in the end, we have a, a, a political um, a hist- uh, historical structure for the, for the book. And, and in terms of our ways of explaining the, the attraction of, of Korea, uh, of Christianity in Korea, um, we've given at least, if not more, attention to the socio-political than the religio-cultural mm-hmm. in the end. Yeah. Oh, excellent, excellent. So you had mentioned, um, I think Sebastian had talked about when, how Christianity is first coming into Korea, and that's what you kind of talk about in Chapter 2, where you're talking about how Catholic Christianity, the first kind of Christianity to really get into Korea and, and have a staying power. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could tell us what's kind of special about how that came in. Mm, well, within the um, Catholic Church, Korea, um, Korean Christianity um, claims a unique status um, in that um, the, the origins of the church um, are recognized as a, as a lay community. Um, normally, the, the, the um, centenaries of, of a, a Catholic church in any particular country are um, when the hierarchy was established or when the first bishop arrived. But in the Korean case, uh, uh, the history goes 50 years further back um, to uh, the, um, the lay community that was formed after one of the uh, Korean scholars uh, went to Beijing and took baptism uh, from um, Jesuit priests there um, in China, um, came back and, uh, and baptized his fellows and established this, this lay community. Um, and that, that has huge ramifications actually for, for um, Catholic ecclesiology or theology of the, of the Catholic Church um, uh, globally, um, which uh, um, Korean theologians would like um, to be better known, I think. And also, in addition to that, I think there was uh, some uh, demonstration of Korean enthusiasm for the, this new religion and new learning, uh, because the, it, is, it was the Koreans who went to Beijing wanted to learn about Catholicism and got baptized and came back to Korea. And they themselves actually established a, a community and did evangelism and so on and so forth. So that's the quite uh, interesting to see the Korean initiative and their enthusiasm. And I think that that's also passed on to the Protestant circle as well. Mm, yes. <laughs> um, and perhaps that's always 
or almost always true in any situation where Christianity is um, it, it comes established. But very often we don't actually have the documentation to prove it. In the Korean case, of course, this is very well documented, which makes it interesting. So what was it about Christianity that these um, early Koreans were interested in? What, what made them go out and bring it to themselves? Uh, yes, I think there are various reasons for that. I mean, initially, it was an uh, intellectual movement. It was the kind of accepted by the more intellectuals or the kind of upper caste uh, of the group of people in Korea. So they actually formed a group of the scholars to study these what you call Western learning. So it's not only just a, a religious literature, but also including the Western philosophy, science, technology, and so on and so forth. So in that process, they learned that there are some integral kind of nature of Catholic teaching and Western learning. So they were got interested in the Catholicism. Um, so that's a partly is they're interested in Western learning and also partly because of the, their reaction to the Confucianism or Neo-Confucianism that they saw that there was a certain limit of the applying the Neo-Confucian ideas into the uh, Korean context to meet the challenge of the modernity. Um, so they saw that uh, Catholicism may offer certain alternative to that. So they were quite interested in that. So it's partly because of their interest in the Western learning and partly because of this kind of religious elements that offer to the religious context of Korea. Right, and did it just stay among scholars? Uh, well, I think it soon became the uh, spread to the uh, more merchant class or middle class, and then later on also working class and the lower uh, class. So it was initiated by the uh, upper class, but soon became the uh, mostly uh, available to the widespread among the, uh, the various different uh, parts of the section. Which was then quite posed quite a challenge to Confucian society, which was organized on a very hierarchical um, um, and um, class um, basis. So since you have this kind of challenge to this uh, Confucian class based society, what's going to happen to these Catholics? Um, I think they, they, they soon face the persecution. Um, it's kind of uh, uh, kind of few years after their initial introduction of Catholicism, they faced persecution uh, by the government. Uh, there was very severe persecutions and a series of persecutions. Um, so that's the really uh, uh, damaged the growth of the Catholic churches in, in Korea in the kind of initial stage. Um, and partly because of their attitude toward the ancestor veneration, because the Korean society was very highly structured and very much influenced by the Confucian uh, social structure. And uh, for Confucianism, the, uh, the, 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 the 
authority and uh, Confucian social stability is very important uh, together with the Confucian uh, uh, the literature. Um, so the, the ancestor veneration is very important uh, to maintain the stability and uh, also security of the society. So when Catholics refuse to uh, observe the ancestor veneration, they saw that's the challenge of authority, so they persecuted. But later on, again, uh, Catholics were regarded as working with imperial power. That's very much uh, obvious in the latter part of the persecutions, that they actually collaborated with the, let's say, uh, French troops when they entered Korea. They helped French troops to entered Korea and uh, supported. So later on they discovered that. Um, so the government saw that uh, Catholics were uh, anti-nation and against national interest. So they were persecuted. Mm. Yeah, so that, well, but the, um, yeah, so the, the initial persecution um, because of uh, the refusal to follow the Confucian um, ancestor veneration. They they argued that they were nevertheless venerating their parents, but in a different way. But were required by the church to do it in a different way. That then, um, because they were then a persecuted minority, they then appealed for for foreign help, and then that made the persecution and the situation of the Catholics worse until we get to 1866 um, uh, and, uh, and and the years following that, when when possibly half of the Catholic population um, was either um, uh, formally um, executed or informally um, put to death or um, lost their lives because of the attitude of the society around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for Catholics were a great dilemma because in order to keep their faith, uh, they wanted to have a support from the uh, outside, particularly uh, bishops in China and uh, also some of the uh, uh, French imperial powers. Uh, but at the same time, they want to show their, their allegiance to Korea. So that was a great dilemma for uh, Catholics in the time of the persecution. Well, excellent, excellent. So that yeah, kind of leads on a, chapter two kind of ends on a very sad note in that yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But these, these poor Catholics. Um, but then, so Koreans, in the third chapter, those Koreans decide to bring in another kind of Christianity, uh, Protestant Christianity. Yes. <laughs> yes. Again, um, there. Well, there's, there's more than one way in which um, it enters, but um, but uh, there are elites who are who are looking for um, alternatives to um, Confucian society is becoming more and more um, unstable. Lots of social problems. There's the pressing um, of uh, uh, the pressure of um, of Japan as well as um, other Western powers on Korea to open up. And to 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 modernise, um, and um, and the elites begin to see um, modernity um, uh, after the model of the of the United States, particularly, um, and uh, as founded on Protestantism, and using a kind of Confucian logic, I guess, about the the primacy of the of the ideology or, or belief system. Um, in order to structure the society, they they um, look to um, adopting 
a, a, a Protestant Christianity as a way of refounding Korean society and, and modernizing it um, and uh, dealing with um, some of the uh, very pressing, pressing practical issues um, also um, of, of, of their time. Um, but you've also got Koreans um, who are exiled from from Korea, particularly a group um, or any or individuals in uh, Manchuria, who who meet um, uh, Western missionaries, in particular Scottish um, missionary John Ross there, um, and uh, they seem to have um, heard of Christianity as a message of equality, dignity, salvation answering some of their um, their faith questions also um, and they get involved in um, translating the Bible and um, uh, and promoting it um, and smuggling um, gospels um, into into Korea and founding communities so before any um, Western uh, missionaries were permitted to enter Korea again you have lay communities of, of Protestants um, uh, already existing and some of the first baptisms uh, are from those communities. So why doesn't the um, government just start persecuting them? Mm. <laughs> Good question. Um, so, um, because, well, the first missionaries who enter, um, enter actually as, uh, as doctors um, and uh, educationalists um, uh, and not as um, not to promote faith. Um, but the power of the government also is being, um, I mean, the government is split. There are factions, um, some of which support China, some of which are uh, supporting uh, Russia, some are looking to the US, um, and some supporting Japan. Um, so if the power of the Korean government becomes more and more limited in, in this period. And eventually, even though it's not strictly legal, the missionaries start to um, uh, move away from the places that they've been allocated in the in the in the cities and into the countryside, um, and engage in spreading the um, the Christian message more more widely. Um, and always, of course, it's the um, Korean um, Christians who have been doing that on the ground um, before the missionaries actually um, get there, um, and they. Uh, so usually, when the missionary arrives, there's already a group of interesting people. Mm. interested people. And the, also the political situation at the time is that uh, uh, after the period of a closed uh, policy, the what you call Holy Kingdom policy, uh, at that time the Korean governments were pressurized to open, open up their uh, uh, policy to, to make a treaty with the various different uh, Western nations. And also the Koreans themselves also have a great desire to interact with the uh, wider world. So there was uh, some uh, movement within the Korea. So uh, I guess Protestant Christianity came into the kind of right moment. Mm, yes, yeah. yeah. I always tell the students that usually Protestants have a better sense of timing. <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> but again, I mean, they they could only, they only came because um, initially they could only survive there because they were invited by by Koreans, of course, um, because Korea was never um, actually colonised by by the West. Um, 
so the, the situation of the missionaries was perhaps more precarious than in, in many other situations. Um, but it depended which foreign power um, was in the ascendant, um, which missionaries were were supported, um, or um, and the extent to which missionaries could be active. So at one time there was an active Orthodox mission from Russia um, to to Korea, but um, but once the Russians were defeated um, by Japan back in um, 1905, um, that had to end. And does that have any role? I mean, the time that Protestantism was now eclipsed in Catholicism. Well, I think the, um, yeah, that's quite, uh, at that time it was quite obvious because, um, it's partly because of the international politics, um, because the, in, in East Asia, the power from the Europe is a bit fading away and then American power was rising. So uh, many of the Koreans saw that there is a, a power shift. Um, but also, uh, as Kirsten mentioned, that the more kind of conscious elite, Korean elite, so the um, kind of uh, uh, accepting Protestant ethics and Protestant uh, Christianity as part of their nation building, and also partly because the Catholics were still under suspicion by the government and also by the general people, uh, uh, the, the legacy of the persecution that uh, Catholics were still uh, working with the imperial powers. So Protestants actually deliberately uh, move away from the Catholics. So they deliberately emphasize that they are different from Catholics. I think that's partly because of this division uh, we have that's the legacy of the, that period, initial period, Protestants emphasize that difference in order to introduce Protestantism in Korea. And partly also the Catholics were a little bit anti-modern at the time, whereas Protestants were very much into the modernism and uh, introducing new ideas and so on. And then uh, Catholics tend to be a more priest-dominated, so you are very hierarchical system, whereas Protestants introduced lay movement and encouraging the corporators and translators, evangelists to build the churches and do the evangelism and so on. So there were lots of different approaches, and also partly, as Christine mentioned, that the introduction of the Bible uh, that really helped people to read scripture for themselves, and then they... Especially as it was in the, um, the vernacular, um, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the Korean, the, Korean script, mm-hmm. um, which made it easy for um, people to read, even if they hadn't had much formal education. Yeah. So Christianity, Protestantism could become a, a popular movement. The Catholics also had used um, Hangul, but um, not to the, to the same extent. It's ironic, really, that they... Um, the Catholics had started as a lay movement, but once missionaries were uh, able to come into Korea, they tended to, to dominate. And whereas the Protestant missionaries were very thin on the ground and um, didn't have a lot of money um, and adopted something called the Nevius method, um, which basically meant that Koreans themselves would grow their own um, support, um, uh, their own 
churches, leaving the missionaries free to look after hospitals and schools and um, institutions. Um, and so that meant that Protestantism was much more of a lay, um, lay-led uh, movement. If I just add, Nibia's method is the, um, introduced by the missionaries in, uh, in, in China, uh, American missionaries in China. Um, the basically idea is the three self-movement. is a self-propagating, self-supporting, and self-governing, and which is a very important principle for the growth of the Korean churches in South Korea. Excellent. Now you had mentioned in chapter, or you'd mentioned there was this competition among different countries for kind of influence in Korea. Mm-hmm. In 1910, Japan wins that competition and, and annexes Korea. Yeah. So, and you deal with that in chapter four, and you talk about how Protestant Christianity is kind of a threat to the Japanese colonial state. I wonder if you could tell me why that is. Yes, because um, Protestantism had become linked with with Korean nationalism. Um, uh, for a number of, of different reasons. Um, the missionaries had um, encouraged Koreans to think of themselves um, like, uh, as, as like Israel in the, um, in the Old Testament, uh, a small country uh, sandwiched between empires, um, suffering, uh, but nevertheless chosen by God. And the, and the word, they argued that the, the word that they'd adopted um, to, to, uh, to name God, um, the pure Korean word, Hananim or Hananim, um, actually meant, meant one God and indicated that Koreans had had a, an understanding of, of monotheism even before um, they'd heard about, um, about Christianity. Um, so that they developed this strong sense of Korean identity um, and, uh, and this, this uh, encouraged uh, Koreans who wished to distance themselves from from China um, and uh, in, initially um, but it also uh, then later uh, had the same effect um, for Koreans wanting to uh, stand up against Japan and assert that um, Korean ethnic um, and uh, and national um, identity um, so so this link with nationalism was clearly a worry uh, for the Japanese and the, and the Korean the Korean churches. They were always singing about um, the kingdom of God, for example, and um, how you know earthly empires were going to pass away, and you know this kind of thing uh, was a bit worrying um, for the for the new imperial power. Um, and the um, the churches were um, or Christians, and to some extent the churches themselves were bases of national. Resistance, and this came to light particularly in 1919 um, when there was an uprising against the Japanese, a widespread uprising um, that was the result of uh, a, a movement that it, um, involved not only Christians but also uh, Chandogyo, uh, um, a, a, a indigenous Korean movement, and some uh, Buddhist leaders. But um, almost half of the, um, the signatories of the Declaration of Independence in 1919 uh, were Christian leaders and Christian pastors. Past, yes, Protestant ones, sorry. Um, and, uh, and so this, this made uh, very clear um, to, to the Japanese that this was, was a problem. Um, and they took steps to address this. Um, but they also, one of the main functions that Protestants were able to play in that movement 
was that because they, unlike the Korean, um, indigenous Korean religion, um, because they had international contacts, they could also um, raise the profile of the injustices that were being committed in, in Korea um, and, uh, and cause a fuss in America and Europe and so on about the Japanese treatment of, of Koreans um, and, uh, and uh, gain international support. Um, so it was difficult for the Japanese to move against Christianity to the extent that they were able to move against Chantokyo um, and other forms of Korean religion. And in addition to that, uh, Protestant Christianity or Protestant church leaders established schools mm-hmm. and the colleges and educational institutions. And I think that's a very powerful tool mm-hmm. for them to introduce the ideas and also independent mind to the young people and the movement like YMCA, YWCA also were established by the uh, Protestant uh, Christian leaders. So there was a kind of combination of all these were quite a threat to the Japanese authority. So what's happening to the Catholics during this time? Why aren't they proactive? Um, well, I think the Catholics were also, uh, there were some activities. I mean, for example, let's say An Jung-gun, who is the, uh, uh, one of the key persons in, in this, um, who actually assassinated Ito Hirobumi, who was the resident general of Korea. Uh, he was visiting Harbin, uh, in, in Manchuria, and um, and in 1909 uh, he assassinated. Uh, he was a Catholic, also he was the promoter of establishing Catholic university and so on and so forth. And he was a reformer, uh, but he was very much uh, suppressed by the Catholic authority. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the Catholics were quite still hierarchical at the time. And uh, they were led by the foreign priests and bishops. And uh, for example, Bishop Mutter was uh, very much against the, any independent movement or any uh, political involvement of the Catholics. Um, so th- that's partly because of that, uh, the Catholics were inactive, mm. less active during this time. Mm. And it- and there's also um, the global situation of the of the Catholic Church um, during this this period as well. Um, meant, um, the Catholics had a recent, well, relatively recent memory of very severe persecution in France and in the heartlands in, in Europe. Um, and uh, and during the, the period that we're talking about, from 1910 to 1945, um, the Catholic Church in um, in uh, Italy. Uh, and in Germany um, was was under threat and made um, concordats with with governments to secure um, the continuation of of the church um, with, and its activities with the agreement that it wouldn't interfere in politics. And so they they also made a similar agreement with Japan and the hierarchy obviously were tasked with making sure that um, the Korean uh, believers didn't um, overstep the mark. So it was quite hard for Catholics to um, be active, whereas Protestantism was less controlled 
um, in, though, though some some of the missionaries were uh, quite strong-minded, but <laughs> um, they were were um, uh, more easily um, able to um, be politically active. Excellent. Now, one of the main strengths, I think, of your book is that it isn't just a political history. It's not just church-state relations. You talk about other things that are going on. Yeah. So could you tell me, what else is going on with Christianity during the colonial period? Mm, yes, well, especially um, because um, the, the pressure on the institutional churches um, meant that you know certain things couldn't happen publicly um, in and, and what what could be said in church and so on was was constrained so that encouraged the the lay movements um, and the the house church movements and the movements in the mountains the underground side of of, um, of Protestant Christianity and also um, Catholic Christianity though we found less um, information about that um, it also uh, led um, it, 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 uh, the, the, the apparently hopeless political situation also encouraged millennialist movements that were looking for divine intervention to overthrow the Japanese Empire um, as the result of um, uh, uh, and, and so um, encouraged um, prayer meetings of various sorts um, and um, a very um, um, uh, emotional um, kind of outpouring um, of, of um, the concerns of, of, of the Korean people. Um, so you also get some some rather strange sort of hybrid um, Christian movements with a Christian um, influence um, at this time. Um, and the the Unification Church, which is um, has become globally well known, has its origins uh, in movements in this in this period. Um, uh, but at the same time, that 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 is an indication that Korean Christianity was becoming more and more Korean, and especially as missionaries were under pressure and were eventually forced to withdraw, Koreans were making uh, Christianity their own um, and organising themselves to a much greater extent. Um, the pressures of the Japanese Empire also led to um, divisions um, amongst Christians as to as to how to respond. So obviously not everybody was into the millennialism, for example. Um, communists um, uh, were um, and, and Christians um, were antagonistic towards each other um, in the 1920s, but some Christians uh, were very attracted to, to communism and its, its social um, teachings seemed to be very close to Christianity in many ways. And then Christians, so Christians were divided as to whether to work with communists or against them. And then later, um, when the Japanese insisted that uh, Koreans should, um, uh, Korean Christians should adopt um, Shinto shrine, uh, Shinto rituals of various sorts, um, though again the churches were divided as to as to how to respond. Um, so you get um, uh, you, you, in this period the seeds of um, post-liberation divisions in the church, divisions that. Uh, formal structural divisions that took place in the 1950s are laid in uh, during the, the colonial period. Um, the underground nature of the church also encouraged women's spirituality of various sorts, um, and so you get leading um, women healers and so on, for example, um, practicing during this time, um, as well as um, some uh, prominent um, male ones as well, revivalists. 
Excellent. So, of course, the colonial period doesn't last forever. Japan is defeated in 1945, and then, unfortunately, Korea is almost immediately divided. Yeah. And you pick up with that uh, in Chapter 5. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if you could tell us what role did Christianity play in North Korea before division, and what happened to it afterwards? Yes, well, this is um, uh, particularly interesting because North Korea was, was the, um, the stronghold of, um, of Korean um, Christianity. Um, uh, certainly, there were more than, um, more than half of Protestants um, were um, in, in the northern part of Korea and what became North Korea. And a third of Catholics also, of the Catholic population, were in that part of the country. Um, so, um, and particularly the, the northern city of, of Pyongyang, which is now the capital of North Korea, uh, had very high, um, uh, relatively high um, Christian presence. Um, it was even uh, sometimes referred to as the Jerusalem of the East because of the, the number of um, uh, church establishments of various sorts. And um, the Christians of, of Pyongyang, both Protestant and, and Catholic, uh, tended to be more um, modern, more entrepreneurial, uh, better educated um, than um, Christians in other parts of the country, or indeed many other other Koreans in in general. Um, so uh, they they were also quite um, uh, they were more, more well to do and more politically um, powerful. Um, but following the di- the division of Korea. Um, some Christians chose to work with the communists and to join something called the, the Christian Federation. Um, but many Christians were among, were, belonged to the bourgeois um, society that the communists were against. Um, that they were allowed to, to flee south if they chose to do so. Um, so you get a large exodus of Christians um, to, to the south. Um, and, um, uh, but for those Christians who remained, um, eventually, we don't hear anything more about. The, after a few years, we don't hear anything more about the Christian Federation, um, and uh, the, once the Communist Party, the Communist Workers Party, is in charge, um, various steps are taken to suppress Christianity, and um, people who are inclined to be religious end up in the lower tier um, of, um, of North Korean society. Um, uh, and and it's not until the late 1970s that we again hear um, of of the presence of Christians in Korea, in North Korea. And so, um, so in the north, Christianity becomes weaker, but in the south, it's going to become stronger. How does that happen? Uh, well, um, as Christian mentions, that uh, there are lots of uh, Christians actually uh, migrated to the south. And according to statistics, between 1945 to 1950, about 5 million people migrated to the south. And out of 2,000 churches established in the south, uh, nearly 90% of those churches were built by the um, refugees from north. So you can see the influence uh, of the north to the south. And then politically, uh, there were... Um, number of uh, political leaders were Christians. A uh, key person was the Sungman Lee, who later became the uh, first president of the Republic of Korea, South Korea. He was a Methodist and strong Christian, 
And uh, he wanted to combine his politics with Christianity. And so he wanted to so-called make Korea a Christian nation. And many of the Christian church uh, congregation and leaders were supportive these political leaders who are, who want to establish the South uh, as, as, as a Christian nation. So there was a great uh, movement uh, toward that. And partly also because of this migration from the North, uh, Korean churches in South Korea uh, were more conservative and also they are more anti-communist, but also they are uh, pro-modernity and industrialization and also democratization, and also many of them are pro-American. So that's a combination of all these ideology and tendencies. Uh, people were strongly get together and they want to build South Korea on the basis of Christian notions and Christian ethics and Christian foundation. So that makes uh, uh, um, the Christianity in South stronger. And I noticed there's um, the dividing year between Chapter 5 and Chapter 6 is 1961. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me, why did you choose that year? Mm -hmm. um, because um, this was the beginning of the um, uh, military back government, although um, General Park was, was elected, mm -hmm. um, there had been a, a military coup deposing um, previous uh, the, the uh, government of, of, of Syngman Rhee and also a later, um, oh, uh, uh, the government of Syngman Rhee had collapsed um, and uh, Jiang Nam was, um, was deposed by the military government. Jiang Nam had, uh, was only in power for a short period of time, six months or so, but he was a, he was a Catholic. So he'd had two Christian leaders who tr tried to govern in a, um, uh, in a democratic uh, manner um, but neither of which had succeeded, and Syngman Rhee's government particularly had become very, um, very corrupt. Um, uh, but the, the course, with the proximity of North Korea and the threat, the, the antagonism between the two countries, because they, after the Korean War there was no peace treaty, and both governments were still claiming to, um, to have a right to the whole peninsula, both North and, um, the northern and southern governments. So uh, many people were worried that any st instability in South Korea would be taken advantage of by, by the North. Um, and um, it seems most Koreans were prepared to, to back the, uh, the military rather than have the, the instability of, of weak governments. And Christian leaders, um, uh, Protestant Christian leaders and uh, Catholic leaders also uh, were inclined to, to agree. Um, so 1961 was a, a transition in, um, in Korean society to the kind of um, uh, mobilized, militarized um, uh, system, um, which, um, although it suppressed human, um, human rights in terms of, um, of civil rights um, and, and actually did quite a lot for people's social and economic rights in that the military were determined to build up a strong and powerful South Korea and so led the um, industrialization of Korea and um, uh, the, the rapid rise of, of Korea as a, as a global power um, uh, was, was uh, uh, to a large extent to do with that 
that leadership, um, even though, of course, there were many people who suffered in the process. So how are Christians reacting to this dictatorship? Um, is the reaction from the churches were sharply divided as politics. Um, the more conservative or evangelical sections of the church, which is in terms of numbers, they are majority, uh, they are basically go along with the dictatorship and military government. And in return, they receive the support from the military backed government for the, their religious matter. So it's kind of unspoken, yeah, unspoken kind of agreement that religious leaders will stay in the religious matter and politicians will stay in the politics and they do not interfere with each other. Um, so in many ways, uh, they concentrated on the church growth and, uh, and the evangelism and uh, some social cares and so on and so forth. Whereas the, in terms of numbers, some small sections in the Protestant Church and then the Catholic Church were very much against the military government uh, for their human rights abuse and also uh, uh, various different aggressive attitudes toward the ordinary people. Um, so uh, what we call the Minjung movement were established there. And Minjung movement were not the kind of Christian movement only, but uh, 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 Minjung theologians and the Catholic theologians and Catholic Church leaders were very much heart of that movement. So they uh, 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 challenged the authority and encouraged the other Christians to join them. So they were very much polarized and uh, there were lots of tensions between them and of course lots of uh, human rights abuse by the military government. Mm -hmm. So the kind of majority of, of Christians were, were very involved in trying to Christianize South Korea. And once South Korea was established as a democratic nation, the numbers of Christians then becomes extremely um, important. Um, and so they, they had deliberate um, campaigns to, uh, of, um, uh, to convert um, or to encourage people to convert. Um, and to become Christian and these and, the, and mass meetings, sometimes a million or more, gathered on the Oedo Plaza. And of course, these also sent a strong signal to North Korea, uh, which had its own mass uh, gatherings uh, on the uh, plazas in Pyongyang, um, that uh, that Christianity was alive and well and um, and, and an opposing uh, system to 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 communism. Um, but at the same time, as Christians. Some Christians were celebrating in this way um, uh, the, the growth of the church. Other Christians were um, in jail um, and being tortured for their resistance to the military government. So you have this, this conflict among Christians and you have this dictatorship. Why is Christianity growing so rapidly? Well, partly because of that, the deliberate movement to, to grow, um, grow churches. Um, but also because Christianity works closely with the development uh, plans um, and, the de and the ideals um, for the, um, the growth of a, uh, of a, a strong and um, uh, prosperous um, nation. So Christians are, um, 
are working hard with the government to build up industry, um, education, um, hospitals, um, and 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 so on. And they seem to be very active uh, in social matters um, and in lead, social leadership um, and political leadership um, as well. Um, and so, becoming a Christian then is also a, a, a way of being upwardly mobile, of improving yourself. Um, uh, and um, and gaining um, and, and the churches as communities um, are empowering for people in this period. And also, um, the they were under constant constant pressure or constant threat from the North Korea um, because people did experience the Korean War and uh, there were occasional uh, conflicts between North and South. So. The Christians were very much uh, gathered together or drawn this idea of threat from North uh, actually helped them to gather together to pray for the security of the nation and unification of the nation. So when you see the uh, mass evangelical movements, they always have elements of kind of threat from North Korea and pray for North Korea. And pray for the security of the nations. Uh, that was a very uh, driving force for the Christians to see the kind of uh, uh, urgent situation and also to engage in more uh, evangelism and, uh, and uh, also salvation. And you, you ended this chapter in 1988 with, when there's a election in Korea. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about how Christians play a role in bringing that about. Mm. Um, so, well, we mentioned the, the, the Minjung activists um, that began with um, labor um, movements that increasingly were agitating for democracy in South Korea. And eventually the excesses of the, the, the military, the, the cruelty of the, the military government and the excesses, um, excessive force um, and suppression of the population um, become more and more marked, especially in 1980, um, the, uh, um, the uh, democratization movement in, in Gwangju was very, um, uh, uh, very brutally um, put down by the person who shortly afterwards um, became the second uh, military leader of, of, of South Korea, um, President Jang Dong Hwang. Um, and uh, and the, the, the spread of the movement for democratization then becomes much, much wider. Um, and although most of the uh, traditional church leaders are still supporting the government um, at a grassroots level, there, um, there are movements against, against it. And then the Catholic uh, role becomes um, mm-hmm. particularly significant. Yes, uh, particularly in this time, the 19, later 1970s and the 80s, Catholics played a very important role in the democratization of South Korea. Um, the Cardinal Kim Su-hwan, who was the key person there, initially he was a little bit reluctant, but he fully engaged in the, the anti-military uh, government. So the, the Myeongdong Cathedral, who is, which is the uh, key major cathedral in Seoul, was regarded as a sanctuary of democratization. Uh, so Catholics were very much involved in, and many of the young Catholic priests formed the group, and they are the ones who 
uh, encourage the people and challenge the uh, military-backed government and led demonstrations. So uh, they were very much, in, I mean, people were very much impressed uh, by the, their sacrifice and their active involvement. And so what happens with the Catholics? I mean, they're passive for much of our story, and all of a sudden they're active, and they're growing really rapidly. Mm, yes. Um, and so um, and they continue to grow, uh, um, and um, uh, though, though Protestant growth starts to falter in the, um, in the 1990s, um, Catholic um, growth is, um, is partly on the back of this key role that they that they had in um, democratization. Um, it's also their, um, uh, 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 to do with their social capital um, in terms of uh, the um, social care that Catholics are increasingly offering. Um, and, um, uh, and a lot of government, a large proportion of government social care by the time we get into the 21st century is being delivered by Catholic um, uh, bodies of various sorts. I think there's also when in the in the change from uh, military governments and pushes for industrialization and modernization to the kind of post uh, the, to, in, to into the democratic period where Koreans can enjoy the fruits of of um, their their labors more and uh, society becomes more more postmodern in many respects. Um, the attitudes of the youth are different um, because they they haven't experienced in the same way, the privations of the Korean War and so on. There's an, in this new kind of culture um, in South Korea as well, there's um, the, the Protestant churches, which were so successful um, during the, um, the military period, uh, begin to see, seem un, uh, unattractive, um, old-fashioned, and also aggressive. Uh, in their evangelism and in their attitudes also to other religions. Um, and whereas Catholicism, which has been more open to the other faiths of Korea, um, and, uh, and also, um, seems to be more ethical, um, in its approach, um, Catholicism becomes more, more attractive and it offers a link, um, with, with tradition and with European forms of Christianity um, that, that Koreans begin to discover. So I wonder, as kind of a final question about your book, could you tell us what kind of role are Christians playing globally now? Mm. Uh, well, yes. Um, I mean, I think what we, one of the things we tried to do throughout the book was to say, well, Korean Christianity isn't only in Korea, um, and especially during the periods of instability um, during the 20th century for various reasons, Koreans left Korea, the exiled community, the diaspora communities um, were, were interlinked um, and continue to be interlinked with what, what happens in, in Korea. But at the same time, they, they play an important role in many um, parts of the world. Um, and, so we, uh, and, and then uh, post the um, liberalization of the Korean economy um, as well, we get more and more Koreans, uh, Protestants first, and now increasingly Catholics who are engaged in um, world mission of various sorts. Um, Koreans feeling that they um, had uh, received uh, so much and uh, were um, indebted 
um, and, and needing to repay the debt of the gospel and to share what they had um, had received and the gifts that they believed God had given them with, um, with the wider community, particularly in poorer parts of the world, so lots of crimes involved in um, medical um, and other uh, other work in different parts of the world, as well as sharing the, the Christian message. Um, it's also, um, uh, in a way, wanting to celebrate uh, Korean success and export some of the successful uh, ways in which the church, uh, that they thought, that they understood that the church had grown in Korea. Um, and many Christians around the world have heard of Korean church growth and the spectacular numbers and the mega churches and so on. Um, so um, Korean Christians have gained a lot of confidence to share their particular practices, um, their particular style of faith. Um, and other Christians also were looking to bring um, peace in the world um, and to address some of the issues that are still keeping the careers divided um, when it's, it's very difficult for the two careers to relate to each other directly. Uh, but by bringing wider peace, there's a possibility for reconciliation within the peninsula itself. So we get many prominent, many Koreans prominent in Christian leadership, in, in theology and so on. In, in many other parts of the world. I think the Korean Christians have experienced uh, great suffering in, in modern period when Christianity was introduced in Korea uh, in terms of secular history. Uh, Korea went through the uh, terrible time of turmoil and uh, they believe that uh, through the introduction of Christianity, both Catholics and Protestants, Christianity, uh, they have received uh, lots of blessings and lots of insights uh, from uh, Christian faith. And so they would like to share with uh, uh, the, the other people in the other parts of the world. So the, although the growth of the Korean churches uh, may not be as spectacular as before, but the enthusiasm of Korean Christians were still remained. So they are very much enthusiastic to share their gospel and to go to the other parts of the world. So the mission and the missionary activities were very much a part of the Korean Christianity. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. And um, thank you so much. We've taken a lot of your time. I'd like to take a little bit more just to ask you our traditional question. What are you working on now? Mm. Uh, well, we've um, recently received some funding from the Academy of Korean Studies, actually, to go in a bit more detail into the period 1945 to 48, the crucial period during which um, uh, North Korea and South Korea were set up as, as, as separate nations, and to examine in a bit more detail what exactly the, the role of Christians and global churches was um, in, in, in that situation, because we think it, it, it's quite significant. Mm. So that's one thing. Mm. Um, uh, I'm also involved in this book project, um, the Christianity and Politics in Korea, because it's offshoot of the, our project, History of Korean Christianity, because uh, there, there are lots of uh, interaction between Christianity and politics. It's fascinating to see the, the various different ideas and uh, different uh, interactions. So I'm working on the book project on this particular topic. Yeah. And I'm also interested to take the um, 
ideas that are being developed in Korea, theological ideas being developed in Korea in dialogue with the um, traditions and experience of, 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 uh, of Korea and to look at how they um, challenge some of the ways that we do theology in the West. Oh, well, those both sound like really fascinating projects. Hopefully we can have you on again. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you again so much for being with us today. And thank you for our listeners. And please, uh, this interview was not enough to get all the richness out of this book. So uh, please go out and, and uh, get this book. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much for having us. It's been good to talk with you. Right, you too. Y'all have a good day. Yeah, thank you. This has been New Books in Christian Studies. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll come back and listen again soon.